Even that trailer gives you goosebumps. Hey guys, welcome back. Cass here. Um, if that music doesn't quite give it away, uh, I know we've already talked about The Exorcist, the original, but this time around we're going to skip the second one, The Heretic. We're just going to pretend that basically never happened um, and then go straight into the third, um, basically just known as The Exorcist 3, um, you know, written, directed, William Peter Blatty, um, or Blady, I, I honestly don't know. I never really looked into it, and I should have. Uh, forgive me. But anyways, his his attempt behind, um, you know, his his masterpiece, The Exorcist. So in 1990, um, you know, this is the American psychological horror film, uh, and it's great to have, you know, the the writer, the director, you know, everything tied together. I mean, he uh, essentially had written the book Legion, um, and from there, you know. And I'll give you a little history on how that went back and forth, but it basically took the uh, the the driver's seat on this uh, you know artistic vision. So it, it's um, personally, I I absolutely loved it. But um, you know, we'll get into it. It's kind of it's kind of fifty fifty depending on, on on who the person is. So uh, this is the third installment of the Exercise franchise. As I said, um, the second one you know is more just an attempt to make money on on a title and a name where the the third one was actually trying to you know create a good story with some some phenomenal characters <clears throat> so it's set 17 years exactly after the original film which in fact you know is exactly that timing so it's kind of one of those eerie sort of oh it's exactly the same you know sort of deal um but uh, essentially they completely ignore the events of exorcist 2 um and uh, the film centers on a character from the first film um uh, detective or lieutenant uh kinderman um and uh, essentially uh or lieutenant kinderman uh this uh, psych- psychological um thriller essentially puts him in the driver's seat and has uh, him investigating a series of murders in Georgetown, uh, which is the same town, you know, as the first one, and they appear to have a satanic motive. Um, Plus, the crimes appear to all have the same hallmarks of the Gemini, uh, a deceased serial killer whom he had investigated uh, and put away years before it was actually executed. So, um, you know, kind of eerie there. Um, and, uh, essentially this is all based on the Zodiac killer, um, who in January of 1974, and this is real life, wrote a letter to the San Francisco Chronicle, um, and essentially praising the original Exorcist film, um, as, and, uh, it's one of the best satirical comedies he'd ever seen. 
uh, or she, you know, depending, honestly, you know, that was never solved. So who knows? Um, also some other serial killers that really, uh, I guess, enjoyed the film, The Exorcist. Dahmer stated in her, in interviews that, um, it was a habit of watching the film before hunting and killing, uh, his victims because it put him in the mood. And, uh, Danny Rowling also reportedly watched the film before his killing spree in 1990. So, um, the film originated, uh, originally titled, uh, Legion, just like the book, but, uh, was changed by the studio executives at Morgan Creek Productions just to make it more commercial. Um, and the film was drastically altered in post-production with reshots, um, and a demand for a last-minute exorcism. So we'll get into it, into those details a little later on. Um, and essentially, uh, they uh, they needed that exorcism for the climax of the film. You know, that's what they felt the audience wanted. But, um, you know, the final version was v- very different from Blady's original version. Um, I have yet to completely finish the book. It's on my, my to-be-read list. Um, but now, after watching this film, it's definitely... Uh, definitely going to be read as soon as possible because uh i definitely love love this movie um now he wanted uh to go back and reconstruct the film uh later on after the uh release but uh the studio executive said that they lost most of his original footage but oddly enough in 2016 in october there was a director's uh cut release so explain that that's kind of weird right um but uh, interesting. But I, I sadly watched the original. I did not see the director's cut, so I'm gonna have to do some digging to try to find uh, exactly what his ending looked like. Now, um, after critical and commercial failure, that was The Exorcist Two. Um, you know, the trial. They strong. He strongly pr- protested linking the two films, um, and uh, essentially because they wanted to do this really weird. Uh, version with uh, Regan having like possessed twins giving birth to them blah 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 um and also just you know they wanted to keep the film legion and not relate it to the exorcist 2 at all calling this exorcist 3 um but essentially uh you know they just there was muted um uh belief in that um you know in Blady's thoughts there and they didn't really you know, take thought in that. And, um, you know, basically, uh, it, the movie led up to some pretty mixed reviews. Um, one of the ones that I, I, I thought was best kind of describing it, you know, uh, flawed yet scary. Um, you know, there was some scenes that were essentially unnecessary, but, um, you know, there's some parts of this film that reminded me of, uh, an Italian giallo film. It's just, it's, it's really quite, quite unique. Now, um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's about 55%, like I said, about half, um, liking the film. And, uh, you know, it's not as chilling as the first, so it didn't really get, uh, Friedkin's, um, really, uh, you know, you can't even describe it, how, how he translates, uh, fear, fear onto, uh, to the, to the screen but essentially it's it's truly terrifying what he uh he did in that one and this one it's it's not quite the same but it just has some really eerie imagery um that sticks with you and you kind of think about it later on when it all links together now um the uh as i was saying they wanted to do this this film about regan as an adult giving birth to possessed twins um but that was completely scrapped and uh, i guess originally they wanted to put carpenter as a director but he dropped out when um when it became 
obviously clear to him that Blady wanted to direct this. So, um, and uh, that's when uh, everything was put together and they began filming on location in Georgetown. So um, the plot itself, um, you know, the film begins with the point of view of someone wandering through the streets of Georgetown. And a voice is informing us, I have dreams um, of a rose and falling down a long flight of stairs. The point of view shows a warning of evil about to arrive later um, that night at at a church. And you hear demonic growls and essentially it it leaves and the other streets are trashed suddenly and... um, this crucifix kind of comes to life as the doors open up um, and then it cuts really quickly to um, to Lieutenant Kinderman at a crime scene where a 12-year-old boy uh, named Thomas Kindry had been murdered. Now, um, he takes his friends, later on a priest, Father Dwyer, um, out to see a mutual favourite film, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Kinderman later relates the, the groups gruesome details on the murdered young boy um, that he was investigating that murder morning, including his crucifixion. Uh, it's quite gruesome, uh, some of the details there. Um, and another murder soon takes place, and a priest is found decapitated in a church. Dwyer is shortly hospitalized and found murdered the next day um, with the words, It's a Wonderful Life, written on the wall. So it's pretty quick progressing with the murders at this point, um, but really, really eerie and, and awful ways to die. Um so, uh, you know, we're, we're left with this perplexed Kinderman, completely unsure what's going on. And the fingerprints at the crime scene do not match, um, indicating a different person was responsible for each. Kinderman tells hospital staff the reason for his unease. Um, uh, 17 years ago, the vicious serial killer James the Gemini uh, Venomoon was executed with um, with every victim, he cut off the right index finger and carved the zodiac sign of the Gemini into the palm of their left hand. Uh, Kinnerman noticed the hands of the three new victims and verified that the, the Gemini sign had been there. Um, the killer was also using an extra L in his notes to the media, you know, in such words as useful or careful. Um, furthermore, to the uh, to filter out false confessions, the original Gemini killer's mutations were kept a secret by Richard, Richmond's police homicide department. The newspapers were made to wrongfully report the left middle finger was severed and the Gemini um, carved on the back of the victim. Um, Kinderman visits the head of the psychiatric ward, where Dr. Temple, who relates the history of a man in cell 11, um, that he was found wandering aimlessly 17 years ago with amnesia. The man was locked up catatonic until recently when he became violent and claimed to be the Gemini killer. Kinnerman sees that the patient resembles his dead friend, Father Damien Karras. So as we know, that's Father Karras from the original film, um, you know, who, uh, who performed the exorcism uh, on Regan. So the patient expresses ignorance of Father Karras and boasts of the filling of, killing of Father Dwyer. Uh, the next morning, a nurse and Dr. Temple are found dead, dead and Kinnerman returns quite gruesomely if I if I do recall uh, especially what happens to the nurse <laughs> Kinderman uh, returns to see the patient in cell 11 who claims that his execu- that after his execution his soul entered Karis's dying body the Gemini spiritual master who has possessed the girl Regan McNeil, uh, McNeil who is furious at being pushed out of the child's body and is exacting his revenge by putting the soul of the Gemini killer and the body of fa- into the body of Father Karras. Each evening, the soul of the Gemini leaves the body of Karras and possesses the elderly people with senile dementia elsewhere in the hospital and uses them to commit the murders. The Gemini killer forced Dr. Temple to bring Kinderman to him um, or he would suffer in unspeakable ways. 
uh, Temple couldn't take the pressure. Uh, therefore, his murder was suicide. Um, so if I recall, he does have a needle in his arm um, with uh, some sort of fluid. So um, the Gemini possesses an old woman who makes a failed attempt to murder Kinderman's daughter. Um, the possessed patient attacks Kinderman um, as he arrives. You know, it's kind of this frantic rush onto the scene. Um, and uh, they're like, what's with the nurse? And essentially, you know, she comes at the daughter with these giant scissors. Um, so she, uh, the possessed patient attacks Kinderman, but uh, the attack abruptly ends when a priest, Father uh, Paul Morning, um, enters the corridor leading to cell 11. So he kind of cut between these two scenes. Um, and he attempts the exorcism on the patient, um, Dr. Car- or Father Karras. Uh, the Gemini's patron intervenes, taking over the body, uh, patient's body, and the priest is all but slain. Kinderman arrives in time and attempts to euthanize Karis after finding the body of the priest, but is hauled into a wall and possessed by the possessed Karis. Father Morning managed to briefly regain consciousness and tells Karis Damien to fight him. Karis regains um, his free will briefly and cries to Kinderman, Bill, now. So we see this really quick um, execution, you know, Bill, now, shoot now, kill me now. Kinderman fires um, the revolver several times, hitting Kinderman in the chest, fatally wounding him. Uh, The Gemini is now gone, and Karis is finally free. With weak breaths, he says, we won, Bill. Now free. Uh, Now free me. Uh, Kinderman puts the revolver against Karis' head and fires. Um, And essentially, the film just, you know, abruptly ends uh, to um, Kinderman standing over Karis' grave. So it's it's pretty quick developing, um, but, um, you know, my God, some really great uh, plot devices uh, in this story. Um, you know, so you can see why I'm I'm just really just chomping at the bit to read the book because uh, it just sounds fantastic, and I'm sure it's a little more developed. Pardon me for my voice. Um, this time I'm just getting over a little bit of a cold, so I might sound a little bit like crap. <laughs> so um, the cast. George C. Scott, um, you know, this is uh, William F. Kinderman, also an Oscar winner. So, you know, he really brings a lot to um, to this film, in my opinion. Uh, Father Dwyer, played by Ed Flanders. Um, Jason Miller is Patient X, or Damien Karras, uh, same actor from the original. Uh, Scott Wilson, Dr. Temple. Brad Dorff is James Venom, the Gemini Killer. So, um, when you watch it, and if you choose to... You'll see that Karis and the um, the Gemini Killer really swap really quickly and abruptly. And it um, kind of caught me off guard. At first, I was completely unsure as to what the fuck was going on. Um, but I was like, oh, okay. You're the Gemini. You're inside Karis. Now I get it. So, um, and uh, I guess originally... Uh, lady wanted to do this sort of like morphing faces thing like um very similar to um dr jekyll and mr hyde in the original like 1925 version you know like um but the cgi just wasn't able to do it and he was unhappy um with it but um it um apparently is in the director's cut and if you do um youtube the trailer uh you can see it in the actual trailer but it's nowhere in the actual film um so you know kind of funny uh anyways going on um you know this cast is pretty large um but uh basically you know we have the wife the daughter uh the mother-in-law she's kind of funny uh there's this pretty brilliant scene of kinderman talking about how he hasn't had a shower in three days because his mother-in-law is over cooking carp um and she's got the carp in the 
bathtub and, you know, because of the toxins, blah, blah, blah. Really funny scene between um, uh, Kinderman and uh, and Father Dwyer. Definitely added, um, you know, kind of this nice comedic break in, uh, in a pretty heavy film. You know, we just talked about a 12-year-old getting murdered and decapitated and his eyes plucked out and, like, horrible, horrible things. So, um, and, uh, there's some pretty unique cameos. Um, so the dream, dream sequence, uh, that Kinderman has, you know, we, he's, we see him kind of in, um, uh, purgatory entering into heaven and, you know, um, we see some surprise roles. Larry King's there. There's some basketball players, apparently Patrick Ewing, Johnson, um, John Thompson, model Fabio, ex-surgeon general C. Everett Coop, um, and an early appearance from J- Sam Jackson, um, you know, they're kind of communicating, trying to communicate with, um, with Earth, which kind of made me laugh. Um, and uh, the basketball players and Fabio, of course, the Angels, of course. So it's sort of funny. So um, just some neat facts about the film. Um, you know, it uh, had the... Um, of course, had to recast Kinderman. So in the original film, they had another actor, but he died in 76. So that's when Oscar winner George C. Scott stepped on. Um, and he was just really excited by Blady's script. Um, you know, he called it... Um, it was crafted with some offbeat characters uh, and just a lot of care and detail to um, to the plot. So it had an $11 million budget and was shot on location, as I said, in Georgetown for eight weeks in mid-1989. Um, towards the end, Fox would add an additional $4 million in post-production as they wanted an exorcism scene. So I got to look in to see what the original actual ending was supposed to be. Um, I'm curious to know what that is, but um, essentially, uh, you know, it's it's okay, the exorcism scene, but you can tell it's kind of chopped together. Um, now, uh, it, they wanted to have, uh, as I said, the morphing scene with Karis to um, Gemini, again, cut out, and you can kind of see it in that YouTube um, preview trailer that it, it just wasn't the best. <clears throat> Now, um, it, uh, you know, was released October 1989, and it was uh, said to have hijacked Linda Blair and Leslie um, Nielsen's um, uh, basically fortune and fame for the comedic film uh, Repossessed. Now, as I said, the critics are about half and half on this. Um, You know, it's a restrained, haunting thriller which uh, stimulates the adrenaline um, and intellect alike. Now, personally, like I said, I just loved it. I found it like a giallo film. Had a great story, great characters, was pretty crazy Catholic imagery. Um, You know, and like I said, I'm going to try to have to look into the director's cut and read the book just to see how they differ. Um, you know, so, uh, again, that's kind of wrapping up for today, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, you know, I absolutely love doing this week to week, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy listening. Um, you know, reach out to me on social media. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, if you want me to cover anything in particular for next week, always looking for suggestions, um, you know, hints, all that fun stuff. Uh, till then, guys, hope you have a great week.